0: Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee, my queen of the keyboard. God bless you so much. Wow. And hello out there, everybody. Well, we're here. We had a little bit of problems getting all of the technological things together on the machinery, but it uh, looks like we finally did. And uh, throw up a little uh, dove prayer that uh, we'll be able to keep this going because this is an important introduction to a flaming manifestation of realities. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Um, I wanna talk about honoring the ministries. The Bible says, you know, to, to recognize a prophet, to give credit, to give honor to a prophet in the name of a prophet. Uh, same with a pastor of a church or a group. Uh, or a calling, uh, and recognizing a brother or sister uh, in the Lord as companions of the call. So we are all on a theatron of life. Uh, We are all actors and actresses on that stage of many multiple realities. And it is so very, very important that we get it right because time is of the essence well i have an epiphany and a the- theophany and i i sort of think about it like when uh you know the the great man uh king dr king says i have a dream um And that was a beautiful speech, and that went down in history, and it still is a marvel of uh, expression. But I, for some time, have had a different experience, not opposite, just different, and um, I've had an epiphany and a theophany, and I've had these experiences over many, many long years, and they are... Uh, beyond the beyond in many cases uh, not something simplistic for everybody to understand but for those who have an ear to hear what the the spirit is saying to the church and spirit is saying to the world they can come into the hearing of those spiritual things now this epiphany and theophany uh, is along the line which I have seen Uh, as experiences of mystical earthly objects interacting with heavenly events, and uh, have seen as uh, spiritual understandings of overshadowing and transfigurations. In my rising up to become the age and person of the age that I now am, uh, I have been on many trails. Uh, many of you know most of these stories, but a lot of you people don't know them all, and so, and some of you don't know all the stories. But when I was very, very young, I'd only been married a very short time, uh, I was re- uh, requested uh, by uh, a ministering uh, group uh, that was a pretty uh, big outfit, uh, at that time called the Assemblies of God. And uh, I was asked to help out this minister uh, who had a church and he had uh, just had a breakdown and he just needed to rest and and uh, be off alone recovering for some time. So my wife and I took over this church and um, at the time uh, it was called... Uh, the um, uh, Mosswood Church of All Nations, Mosswood, W, or pardon me, M-O-S-S-W-O-O-D, the Mosswood Church of All Nations, and it was a church that was uh, just full of all kinds of different nationalities. Uh, The pastor himself uh, was a Filipino, very talented uh, man who, who played the piano and sung and and uh, was just quite uh, an awesome individual. I'd noticed him throughout the years, and uh, never imagined one day I would be pastoring this uh, church uh, that he started uh, of, of uh, international nationalities. Well, during my uh, lifetime, um, I, uh, I have uh, been deep into the international ministry of all nationalities, who as, human be- who as human beings belong to the ophanim uh, that's O-P-H-A-N-I-M, angels, who were cast to earth by the dragon's tail, as described in Revelations 12, 3 through 4, and now represent the humans who live on this planet called earth. And uh, I have lived my belief of interaction with all international nationalities uh, in addition to this experience at the Mosswood Church of All Nations, uh, I um, uh, was involved with uh, uh, having two different uh, East Indians from Indi- India uh, who came and lived uh, in our home while we, uh, or while I was uh, training them in translation works. Uh, I also had. Um, Uh, Some uh, black uh, African-American fellows come and uh, live with me and my family in our home. And one of the uh, black ministers was an awesome man who did some ministry in our church. And uh, he had a serious uh, sickle cell anemia disease. That was, of course, a long time before I had any revelation about Jintao. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I cared for this man and, uh, and, and the, the, uh, family group that came with him. Uh, and he, he, he was a man of deep word. Uh, we didn't just see word to word or, or line to line, but, but, uh, uh, we had a fellowship of spirit and, um, and so, uh, it's very interesting, this thing on the sickle cell anemia. Uh, if God helped me to have the time, I want to do Gentile on on uh, that subject uh, today and some other Gentile uh, for persons. And it's one of the reasons why I took the time to mention this because I spent quite a bit of, of uh, time with this uh, gentleman and came to understand... Uh, to a pretty good extent, uh, the, the sickle cell anemia. We would sometimes have to just rush him to the hospital uh, in order to get, uh, you know, blood infusions and so forth. And, and uh, so it, it was ki- quite a time of training, of understanding how, how a, a really super neat guy could have an awful disease that, that was genetic. And then, of course, uh, uh, I as I, many of you know, lived on the other side of the tracks. That means over in the area where the poor people lived uh, because our family was a very poor family. And uh, I attended a, a nearly all-black uh, high school. I think there were 10 white uh, fellows. I was one of them. And uh, and uh, we, we as a family uh, quite often attended uh, African-American black churches. Uh, I remember my wife and I daring to attend this church, uh, uh, who I knew the pastor very well and was friends with. Uh, It was called the White Rose Church of God in Christ. That was located in Stockton, California. And we were there just right after the almost next day thing, uh, assassination of uh, Dr. King. And uh, I remember praying and singing and crying and and uh, being um, uh, featured on their radio broadcast uh, just right after the assassination of Dr. King. And uh, so I have lived uh, an international uh, life. I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of, of the ministry that God has given me and, uh, and how important it is to not judge anybody. Now we're into um, this uh, awesome time of the seventeenth Exodus escape, and uh, we've been uh, talking about this enchanting holy fire, um, and we've talking about how important this thing of the whole Exodus escape and its connection to the Passover and how that this Passover was a gigantic thing, and if we wouldn't have had uh, the Exodus escape, and we wouldn't have had uh, uh, Moses, uh, and all of the signs and the wonders, and the coming down of the angels, and the coming down of the Lord, uh, the world would have been uh, sadly missing. Uh, one of the greatest, most foundational events of all time. And I'm sure that at some time, when somewhere, those things would eventually always happen in some way, somehow. But they happened, and they happened the way at the time uh, it was permitted to happen. The permittability of it was all part of the angels guiding it to be. And um, when... God spoke uh, in His Word and said, uh, "said You know, uh, when I see the blood, I will pass over you." Exodus twelve thirteen, and I will cause the plagues of Egypt to pass over you. And uh, He told about how that He would de- de- deliver the people from the destroying uh, uh, creature, uh, the des- destroying force, and uh, and how that as we preach it this was an, a moment of the Alpha and the Omega uh, and uh, Revelations 13.8 talks about and all who dwell upon the earth shall worship the beast whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and uh, that's Revelation 13.8 and we will see a connection here in a little bit to this thing of the Lamb uh, and how that that all ties into the Passover, because it was the the Passover uh, uh, feast and and the Passover uh, revelation that uh, saved and allowed uh, e- the the uh, people bondage uh, in Egypt uh, that were the Israelites uh, to escape and finally find deliverance. Well, there's a lot of uh, Misunderstanding about the uh, feast of the Passover, as it might involve a connection to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Um, like uh, there are different ideas that different people have about that, and and uh, I just feel like it's it's you know it's time for me to go over some of these things so that you have a uh, knowledge of it. Because without that, you just don't get the connection of how that when that lamb was offered and his blood of the, of the, of the lambs were offered uh, and put upon the post uh, the importance of that deliverance and how that, that ties in to the very time of Jesus Christ and and the feast of the Passover just prior to his crucifixion. <clears throat> now, the Feast of the Passover starts on the 14th day of, of Nisan, and, uh, or Nisan, how different ones like to say it, at sundown, usually on a Thursday, and finishes on Sunday, uh, on sundown on Friday. So the first day of Nisan is always a Sabbath, a Saturday. Uh, and the Feast of the Passover is always 14 days later on, uh, on a Friday, starting at sundown on Thursday. According to the Gospel of John, the crucifixion occurred on Thursday with Jesus' death at approximately 3 p.m., called the ninth hour, and at the start of the Feast of the Passover, also called a high Sabbath. So now we see that the very Feast of the Passover, which is the celebration of the, the event of the Passover tied into the Exodus escape, And all that happened there in the deliverance of the people of Israel and that we are talking an exact connection. Like, as I said here, uh, according to the Gospel of John, the crucifixion occurred on Thursday with Jesus' death at 3 p.m. the ninth hour at the start of the Feast of Passover, which is also called a high Sabbath. Now, there are those uh, who who have uh, a lot of uh, problems uh, connecting uh, the uh, the feast uh, of the Passover in uh, you know uh, modern times with uh, the Exodus Passover feast, and uh, you know I, I want I want to talk about that because uh, uh, it is so absolutely important uh, to understand a few things about it. Now, most people may not be aware that the Egyptians had a law, and uh, this is during the time of Moses, and that law forbid the killing of a lamb. If you were found out to kill a lamb, uh, you could probably be put in a long-term of prison or maybe even executed, and uh, you can read about this in Exodus eight twenty-five to twenty-six, in part. Um, so when Moses went to uh, the Pharaoh, one of the uh, excuses he uh, he uh, gave Pharaoh for being able to go out of the land was uh, to not violate the um, the laws of the Egyptians. Uh, which were sacred uh, laws because they had deified the lamb to be like a god and and so anyone uh, killing a lamb was like killing a god so Moses explained in Exodus 10 16 through 19 uh, that um, uh, uh, well close to approximate to those to those verses Um and especially in the uh uh, closer to the exodus 8 25 through 26 he explained how that um that that uh they could not as their pharaoh requested have their uh sacrifice and celebration in the in in the land of goshen which is which is egyptian soil uh because it would it would break the egyptians laws and subject them uh, who broke it to to maybe death or or imprisonment, and so the pharaoh did understand that. So he said, "Well, uh, okay, you could go out, but don't go very far, and so that you you know you don't you don't break these laws." Now, in Exodus 10:16 through 19, uh, I skipped ahead on that just a little bit uh, for those people that say that you know the new. Uh, 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 feast, Passover, could not have in, in any way had a symbolism to represent the blood of Jesus Christ uh, uh, being um, an antidote for sin. Uh, I, I just want to bring to your attention how that in this Exodus 10:16 through 19 Pharaoh called Moses and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you take away all these locusts from us, give me one more chance, forgive me one more time. So we see that at a very relative close time to one of the next terrible plagues that was going to come was going to be the death of the firstborn of all the Egyptians. And that this thing of the Pharaoh and his people understanding that when they were not listening to these uh, these instructions from the Lord to Moses, that they were committing sin. And here we have a testimony by Pharaoh himself that he had sinned. So we can see that the scripture does absolutely assuredly show us that sin was known and acknowledged and was a part of an understanding of what the 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 blood on the, the post were and how that 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 this whole whole thing that God was doing in his his giving these warnings to uh, to the Pharaoh and the people of, of Egypt uh, was tied in uh, to to people understanding that that there there were uh, the the possibilities uh, by not obeying of committing sin against the Lord God the, of of Moses. And and so there's your scripture for those scholars who deny the modern Jewish Passover could uh, represent uh, the same as the blood of Jesus Christ, having power to represent forgiveness of sins. And I just want to have that down, uh, and I just want you to, to, to have it somewhere that you can refer to someday, if you ever get challenged on that, uh, and that beautiful Exodus twelve twenty three. when the angel sees the blood, he will not allow the destroyer to come uh, into your house to smite you, but he will pass over you. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God's holy, wonderful mercy. Now, <clears throat> it might seem that I am going a very winding path to get to all the other places that I am headed. But that will not be unusual in the ministry of the Holy Manifest Word. But there is an interesting thing in St. John 13, 1 through 10. And it, and it involves the uh, foot washing. Uh, Jesus uh, is narrowing down, coming toward the the end of his ministry. He recognizes that the, that the Feast of the Passover is... Just around the corner, not not long and and he's wanting to show some very important things that he feels that his disciples do not yet have the knowledge of they really need to understand and um, so he begins to washing the feet of the disciples. then he comes to peter and he, and he and he takes his cloth and and the wash pan, however they did it. And uh, to to wash uh, Peter's feet. And Peter looks at Jesus. And he says. You will never wash my feet. And the reason that Peter said this. Is that he felt. That it would just be an insult. To have the master. To wash his feet. Of Peter who was just a disciple. A student. But Jesus said. Uh, to Peter. He that is washed. Uh, No, he said to 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 Peter after Peter said, "Thou shalt never wash my feet." And then Jesus said, "If I wash not uh, uh, thy feet, you will have no part in me." Then Peter says to Jesus, "Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." Now it's quite interesting that conversation, because we've got feet that. That can have all kinds of symbolic meaning, but so can hands, and so can the head. And 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 so uh, Peter, in a sort of very wise insight, says, "Okay, then, don't just do my hand, don't just do my feet. I if if this, uh, you know, if I'm going to lose being a part of you, then Lord, uh, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." And then Jesus said something. That was just utterly incredible in verse 10. St. John uh, 13, verse 10. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. Now Jesus says, By cleaning the feet, you would instantaneously, spontaneously, be cleaned of the hands and also of the head and all of the rest of the body. Now there is a tremendous insight and vision and revelation there. How that by doing one particular act that fulfills a certain aspect or an instantaneous moment that at that atomic moment or divine moment It is so sacred. It is so succinct. It is so powerful that its transformation capability is a complete transfiguration and does not just concentrate on the singularity of that smaller part, which is only a part of the body, but by having a part of the body totally given over to this act of the foot washing, then the whole body was incorporated into that act and was cleansed. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced spontaneous cleaning in which uh, you had certain things that you just seemed to not be able to get done. And even it could come down to house cleaning. And maybe you were fighting sickness. Maybe you were fighting depression. Maybe you were fighting obstacles and, and circumstances and interventions. And then the next morning you got up and you, you look into the house and you think, well, what's going on here? And your whole house is clean. And it smells clean. And everything seems to be put in place. And you're trying to think, well, did somebody come over and do this while I was sleeping? So you go to the door and you have this inside lock that locks from inside so nobody can come through that door, either the front door or the back door, unless that lock is removed. And so you know that nobody has come in during the night and has done that, but somehow something has happened Because when you went to bed last night, unless you're just losing your mind or your memory is just faulty, you remember things not being in place, things not being just really clean. But suddenly, everything is clean. And you remember that you only had the strength to just go to the table and wipe off the table and and around the sink and leave that clean. That's all you had the strength. You were just so sick. And then you went to bed, but somehow that act of just going to the table and just going to the sink was like just washing the feet and the whole rest of the body being clean. You just did that act, but you did it with the best that you had and the best that you could, and suddenly all of the rest of the house was instantaneous, spontaneously clean. Well, I think we're coming into the days of more and more of those kind of miracles. I think that we are on the verge of a special kind of immersion. And this immersion into the holy Shekinah glory and into the Peller mind is going to be so strengthening and so uplifting and so extensive of its capability to take a part of that part which is a part and then calls it to incorporate the whole of what that part is a part of so wonderful times are coming i remember writing a song for my grandmother when she had passed on to her to glory wonderful times are coming Wonderful days are near, and I believe that. I believed it then and I believe it now. And I, I see and I see a continuation, a continuum of the spiritual things that are leaping from hilltop to hilltop and to the mountaintops. Jesus said he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean ever with your hands and the ministry that that represents will be clean your head and all of the things that the head and the brain and the mind can represent will be clean and your feet and all the symbol of that that foundational place where you stand on holy ground where the angel says to Moses come no further Take off your shoes for you are standing. I'm standing on holy ground. Ah! There are divine times. There are divine moments. Those are epiphanies and theophanies. And they are beautiful. And they're like when Job, after he went through the whole trial of all his questioners, those that questioned him and challenged him and doubted him, that then came the time for God to come. And in Job 38:1 it says, and then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, we are coming to that time. It's not the common little inkle, binkle, tinkle, lintel piece of nothing that people have tried to build a house on and discovered that they were building on the sand. But they are getting into the Sila. And David had an understanding of that. And he would say something courageous and then he would say Selah. For it was about the Rock of Ages. And all of the things incorporated in the ancientness of the Rock of Ages. Well, spirit cleansing is Bible. In Titus 3.5, it talks about God saved us by the washing of regeneration. And in Matthew 19.28, it talks about the regeneration when the Son of Man shall come without the revelation of the Exodus escape, there would be no Moses. No Passover. No Passover Christ. And those prophecies would still be hanging and dangling. Moses said, another shall rise like unto me. Then, we read things that cause wonders. And the Bible says that there will always be signs and wonders. Well, wonders can be wonderments that are exciting and and awesome but they can also be wonderments that are question marks things that are not assurities because you just don't understand all of the meaning that they have in the way of significance for instance I used to wonder when after receiving the revelation from God which is talked about in Revelations 12.4 when one-third of the stars were cast to earth, and how that there was one-third of the stars which represented the morning stars, which represented the Troniverse, which represented the Ophanim angels, and then there was the other third, which were the cherubim, and the other third, which were the seraphim, and those were the three-thirds, and how interesting and inspirational it is when you look in the book of Revelation. And other books and you see all these different messages where the, the term one third keeps repeating over and over in different areas. <coughs> so this one third had a completion number to it. It seemed to be the totality number. And it didn't seem that you know there would be anything else that that uh could be necessary. Uh, where there would ever be a case of the stars falling from heaven because they had already all fallen. But then, you know, there were some strange scriptures. Strange scriptures like that is found in the book of Daniel in which it talks about how that the beast one day would reach up in Daniel 8, 10 and cast stars to the ground. And I would read that years, and uh, it's been a long time because I've had the understanding for a long long time now. But I couldn't understand how, how could this beast be reaching up and casting more stars to the ground? Would those be seraphim or would those be other cherubim? They're, they're not supposed to be anymore. Ophanim, unless they would be Ophanim that had gotten regenerated and then went back up and were doing a work and then they got cast back down. And that didn't make sense to me. Something didn't make sense. Then God began to reveal it to, to me. And I don't, I've never ever shared this before. This is brand new sharing for the first time. Well, in the book of Revelations 12, the woman is depicted standing in the sun. And she has a crown on her head of 12 stars. So we see this incredulous Revelation where that a crown can have stars. And if, if you remember this, and surely you do if you've been in church much, people will say that when you do these spiritual things that you, you gain stars in your crown. Because the Bible tells us that we're all going to be kings and priests. And so we know that kings and priests, and the priests, of course, represent uh, the church, which represents uh, the queen which represents the woman, the queen. And so we got kings and queens, and, and we know that both the king and the queen will always wear crowns. So we have this woman with a crown, and she's got stars in those crowns. And then, you know, God revealed this to me. He says, let me now show you the stars that the beast was pulling down from the heavens and casting down to earth. For these were, were crowns that had not fallen with the angels when they fell to earth, but, but still were held in interpose in an interval of time and place. And then as time went on and be, things began to be very uh, uh, severe as represented in Daniel 8.10, uh, Satan began to be able to affect those people to the point that he could go into their past and start to reach into their past spiritual life when they were ophidims, and begin to cause stars that were in their crown that they had earned over, over universes after universes of time and to cast them down to the earth and cause those people to lose some of the stars that was in their crown from before the foundations of the earth. Now understand if in Corinthians the Bible says that that these things that were being revealed belong to us before the foundations of the creation of the earth. And so we see that even as people are being depicted in their Christian state that even at that time they begin to have situations where they had things that were ordained to them that belonged to them in that Ophanam state that was still intact. But as people go on, they can be in the danger of those things being brought, brought, brought in to their present life and pressed down into the soil of life and put in a state of run. I want this message to speak to some of you out there today that I know are going through trials and temptations and terrible times of discouragement and depression that you must not ever allow yourself to give in to the forces dark. You must not ever allow yourself to be heard saying that you are defeated or that you are cast down or that you give up or that you can't go on anymore or that you have lost the things that God has by his grace given you. While that is not a blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, it is nevertheless an abomination that can make desolate some of the wonderful things that belong to your ophanamic life. So I tell you in this revelation of spirit cleansing, of the washing of regeneration that this message and this reveal of the Exodus escape is your passport into being able to claim the things that belong to your peace. God made a promise in revelations 228 and he says i will give him the morning star he's not giving you something that you already have he's offering to give you something that you have lost a star a star that belonged in the crown he's talking to people that will overcome He's talking to people that will finally get it right, to people that will finally get on track. People will finally say, I am putting up with no more of this giving in to the forces dark. I am putting up no more with this sickness and this weariness of pain. I want to turn my eyesight totally upon the face of Jesus Christ. And then that beautiful scripture in Song psalm says to let his face shine upon you the face of jesus wants to shine upon you and wants to remind you that those the morning star revelations 228 will be given to you if you overcome and in revelation 6 1 and 2 it was beautiful how that god would speak how God would speak to John. And he would say, John, I know they've done terrible things to you. I know as tradition says, they boiled you partway up your body in boiling substance and then cast you out on the earth to die. But during that time, cast out on the earth to die, the angels came And fulfilled the scripture again. That the angels would come and bear thee up. lest thou dash thy feet against the stones of death. And then. As I bring this to a close. I'm not quite ready yet. We know. That Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. Which is this described in Revelations 11.8. And we know that God said something very encouraging to John. John outlived all of the other disciples. John left the Jerusalem area and went into a different area where he would not be touched by the hand of Rome Of the Roman Empire and found a great freedom for a long, long time. And then, in my closing for now, he said something incredible in Revelations 10 11. He told John that his ministry at that time would not be finished. He said, you will be coming back. You will come again, John. And you will prophesy again to the nations of the world and to kings and kingdoms. And in a proper interpretation of everything that was said there, he said, and you will write books such as the book of Revelation, such as was written in John 21, 25. If all was written that should be written, you'll write those books and you will publish this word. And this thing about publishing is so great in the Bible. Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 4. Jeremiah 5:20 through 31. Psalms twenty-six, six, and Psalms twenty-seven, four through five, Mark thirteen, ten, acts thirteen, forty-nine, Isaiah fifty-two, seven, and finally Psalms sixty-eight, eleven. And the Lord gave the word, and great was the company who published it. Janet Lee at the organ. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, here we go. Now, um we want to we want to cover some things that are, you know, going to be maybe a little bit tough for some of you people that have never heard such things as this. But you need to understand that God is a spirit. We're talking about the God of the first domain, the heaven of heavens. That God is a spirit and that's how he lives. And that is a spirit realm. Now, spirits can take on different forms and and so forth, but but a spirit is a spirit. And that's quite different from a person having a body that has a spirit, because our main emphasis in the foremost respect uh, to our living of uh, in a cognizant brain is our physical attire, our physical, biological aspect. But the spirit world is the real world. And we're going to talk about the spirit world here. Um, I want to um, to tell a couple experiences and um, there are interesting scriptures like Revelations 25 that says and the rest of the dead live not until we see that in the sequences of time there are designations about the dead about when certain kind of dead come back to live again and this is quite prominent in the Bible in many different areas of the Bible both Old Testament and New Testament I want to tell this real story I'll try to make it short but we were talking about spiritual cleansing and sometimes there are things that are allowed to be in a home that you'd be better off for it not to be in your home and for things that to be in a, a conduction that would be better off to not be able to go into conduction. I remember once that I had a call from a person who had attended our church and they were telling me that there was a strange thing happening outside the apartment they, and the house that they lived in. Uh, uh, they lived upstairs and, and uh, it was sort of like a commercial location. And they said that there were these cats that would appear in their backyard, and it was during the time of snow, and they were on the snow. And they were giving these weird sounds. They didn't just sound like cats meowing. They were really weird voices and sounds that were coming out of them. And it was scary. And then they said they would sometimes go back to look and they would be gone. And they could not see where their tracks led out of the snow. So that sounded pretty far out. And so I told him I would come over. So I came over. And, uh, and uh, I walked up into the house, and I said, well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through your home, and if you will allow me, uh, I need to walk through all the different rooms of your home, bathroom, bedrooms. So if you have anything that you want to go and make a range or change, do that now, because I want to walk through your whole place. So then I began to walk through their, their, their home and immediately my spirit led me over to this particular place on a, um, in the bedroom. And there was this uh, little um, sort of shelf, um, more like a little chest that was on that shelf and I felt a dark energy and I said, there's something not right in this chest. Can I open it up? And they said, absolutely. Just anything you believe that you're supposed to do, go ahead. So I opened it up and I immediately reached in and pulled out this small book. And I, as soon as I put it in my hand, I knew it was evil. And it was a book about witch power and witch stuff. And I said, this book It's like an open door into your house. You've got to get rid of this book. You should not have this book in your house. It may be part of what's causing this demonology to be expressing itself. So they uh, turned the book over to me to destroy. Then uh, they said that the cats are out there now. They're out there making those weird sounds. So I ran over to the window, and I looked out the window, and sure enough, there was three or four cats out there in this sort of like a circle, and they were surrounded by snow, and it was a lot of snow, and, and, uh, and I knew as soon as I saw them, they were very disturbed because I, I, I had gotten hold of this book, and I was closing a door into that house, so i ran down the stairs because i wanted to i wanted to i wanted to cast those demons out but as soon as i got down there opened the door and got down there and i looked out and i saw where those cats had been i noticed that there was absolutely no no f- footprints of those cats where they had been i also noticed that there was no footprints walking out and I thought well maybe they could leap but I realized to leap they'd have to leap a tremendous distance and any distance they did leap even if they went 15 feet or more they would still be in snow and it would show the footprints so I went all around and checked and sure enough uh, there were no footprints. These were demonic materializations. And so I did a special kind of casting out prayer to cast out those demons and make them so that they could not come back onto that territory again, on that property again. And they never did. Now I've had many, many experiences in my lifetime with the forces of darkness and the spirits of the demon world fighting against them and casting them out. Well, there's so many things in the Bible that we do not understand when we are talking about the spirit world. Would people say, well, you know, my my mother died, or my father died, or my children died, and they went to heaven. Most of the time, people do not understand what the word heaven means. Because in the Bible, heaven is quite different in meaning than what most people have imagined, or been taught religiously or theologically. In the first chapter of of Genesis, chapter 1 and verse 8, it gives a description of the firmament, 7 and 8. And it tells about how that the firmament that separated the waters from the waters was called heaven. So, this is the first use of the word heaven besides the scripture that starts off in Genesis, in the beginning God created the earth and the heaven, or the heavens. It's very, very important to understand some of these things as you don't understand them because there are physical heavens, Generally, the sky is considered a heaven. Generally, the atmospheres are considered heavens. Generally, in the universe, when we're talking about the different space uh, areas that divide stars from stars and planets from planets, we're talking about spaces that are called heavens. So when the Bible sometimes talks about the heavens, It's talking about the heavens which are the universe. Then there is this very special place called the heaven of heavens. And that heaven is a capital, but not every time that they use a capital because there's other reasons that when we are talking grammar that you can capitalize the word heaven without it meaning the heaven of heavens. So we begin to see these things in remarkable intensity. And it's an important thing when we think that all of our persons that were family or friends that died went to heaven. And in fact, people do not know what that means. And what it does mean is quite different most of the time than anything that they would ever realize. Now there are different kinds of, of, separations, of intervals, of space and time. And there are things like virtual reality. The Bible describes Jesus slain before the foundations of the world, of the earth. And you can read about that in Revelations five six and Revelations thirteen eight. That is a virtual reality. That means that it's like in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, when it says that before there was any, anything planted on earth, any trees, any vines, any, anything planted on earth, they existed. They existed in this virtual reality state, and then eventually they were planted. That is a reality, and it's a virtual reality that does exist. And it has very important spiritual application to understanding the power of materialization and dematerialization and transfiguration. Then there is living spiritual symbolisms. I say living spiritual because when the Bible in Revelations eleven eight speaks about Sodom and Egypt, where the Lord was crucified, it attaches prior to those two terms of Sodom and Egypt and says spiritual. So we see that there can exist a spiritual Egypt and a spiritual Sodom, which we call living spiritual symbolisms because they they have a, a, a living aspect to them There really was a Sodom and in Egypt. But we never thought of them. Being attached to the abstract. Of a living spiritual symbolism. That had to do with the crucifixion. Of Jesus Christ. Revelations 11.8. Spiritual Sodom in Egypt. Where the Lord was crucified. Now we've got him crucified in a sense slain before the foundations of the world of the earth in the virtual reality realm. Now we've got him in the living spiritual symbolistic realm being crucified Revelations 11.8 in a spiritual Sodom and Egypt and as it says where the Lord was, was crucified. So we also have the living spiritual symbolism of the Passover lamb and its blood put on the door lintels. It actually is the blood of a literal lamb. But as we begin to read in the New Testament about the lamb of God and how that this Jesus at the Passover time was crucified and his blood was shed for the salvation, the healing, and the grace of the world, We see that there was both during the Passover time of the Egyptian escape scenario a living spiritual symbolism which incorporated the lamb's blood on the doorpost and all the salvation and the potential of the forgiving of sins that it represented, and also incorporated the spiritual Sodom and Egypt where the Lord was crucified which all ties into that same scenario location-wise. Egypt, Sodom, because Sodom goes back to Abraham. Abraham came then to Egypt through Jacob and through all of those offspring. And Egypt included the people of Israel. And now we then see that this living spiritual symbolism of the Passover. Did incorporate the very crucifixion. Of Jesus Christ. Then we get into the literal. And active passage. St. John six forty one and 43. Where we. We have aspects of. Of Jesus. When he took the bread. And we have. You know we have lord's supper which is not necessarily the feast of the passover and it gets this all confused in the bible so it sounds like the bible is contradictory but jesus did something to separate the 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 lord's supper uh, because he would sob the bread with judas and he didn't want judas to be a part of the the feast over uh passover uh, the passover feast and so that's why People get confused and think that there's contradiction between the different times of the feast and, and, and so forth. But it's all very easily there and explained. But you just have to know it by the spirit and by the word. And so there was an actual feast of the Passover both back in the times of, the, uh, of when, it, when it was uh, a, a living symbolism but then also when it was a literal actuality with Jesus going to the cross so now we have all these three different levels and do not think that when we start talking about things happening in the in, in the in the universe and in the world that we are not confronting all of these different kinds of 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 realms and all these different kinds of of uh, realities There are multiple realities. We don't need the scientists to try to create additional universes with multiple realities. The Bible's already been telling us about those long before the scientists even knew how to blow their nose. Noses. Jesus was very much into the bread the Jews murmured because Jesus said I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And they were flipped out on that. They were literally flipped out on that. What? And and he, here's, here's what they said. Here's what these Jews said. Is not this the son of Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Isn't this the son of Joseph, the carpenter, isn't this the fa- Isn't this the son of the father and the mother that we know who is? And is this guy gone nuts? And he's claiming that he came down from heaven. Well, I want to tell you something. That when you've had an epiphany and a theophany and other experiences that. Incorporate you in the uh, transfigurations, transfigurations, and you tell people that you're not of this world, just like Jesus said that he was not of this world. His disciples were not of this world. That people find that hard to accept and hard to believe, because they'll go back and say, "Huh, why this guy was born? This Jerry Lee guy was born in Stockton, California. He had a mother and a father." He's not from the Father's house planet. He's not from the Artura. That's just a bunch of imagination. Because that's what they said about Jesus too. And Jesus said, as they've said things about me and, and made up lies against me, they're gonna do the same to you people. Is this not the Jesus, the son of Joseph, who was, whose father and mother we know? huh? Let's see, how, can he, how can he think he's the bread of life? Come on. Well, when we begin to understand all these things about what heaven is and the spirit worlds, and we begin to understand things like God has a plan. And in this plan it's quite a bit different than what most people have the slightest idea. So I want to share with you so that you will understand some incredible things. When I shared with you last week about the SWOO and about these cradles that are <clears throat> beneath a a big lake in inlet attached to a close associated mountain and and this SWOO is under this thick crystal glass and there are these cradles in there called called SWOOs where there are people Uh, whose physical bodies are being preserved there and that can go on for hundreds of years and their spirits are off on other missions i know that must sound absolutely crazy and people say it's not in the bible it's not in the bible anywhere oh you be careful you be very careful when you ever say that something's not in the bible because i don't give something from from the pulpit of the broadcast or from the pulpit of where I speak and it's not backed by scripture. So I'm going to back that by scripture today from St. Matthew 27 52 and it says that when the earthquake took place after Jesus said it is finished and he gave up the ghost he gave up the ghost and his spirit began to move. It says that the graves were opened and many body of the saints which slept arose. Now, when you go to G3419, which is the Greek in the book of the Concordance, Strong's Concordance, that word, namion, means remembrance, or to remember. And I have taught in the past that one of these things that this meant was about the memory coming back to these people. But I didn't tell them at the time because they weren't ready at the time to tell them that that was memory coming back, spirit entering back in to these people that were in swooze. And that is the meaning of it. And and it's talking about remembrance and it means internment and of course they've added to that the grave and and the possibility of a tomb or you know because they didn't know to call it a swoo. and the graves were opened and the bodies of the saints which slept arose now the bodies that slept the bible says dust will return to dust that's never considered to be a body sleeping the body, body blown by the wind or dug with a shovel and, and scattered all around in different places representing different parts uh, transfused into all of the different areas of the earth. Not hardly call that a body. And you don't have a body very long in a grave. I'm talking a very short time before it is diffused and dust returned to dust. These graves were opened or these swoos were opened And many bodies, many bodies, and they were saints which slept, arose. They were just asleep. They weren't dead. Now the same thing happened. The same thing happened when when Jesus went to deliver Lazarus. And Lazarus was in this cave. And they said. You know he's dead. It's, it's, it's too late. Why couldn't you have come before? Why couldn't you have done something? And the Bible says Jesus groaned inside. Because of their ignorance you know. And Martha said. If you had been here Lord. He, Lazarus needed not to have died. And And Jesus groaned again. And Jesus said. Lazarus is not dead he sleepeth and in different cases when jesus has said something like that the bible has recorded in different areas like in in luke 8 52 and matthew 9 24 and mark 5:39, that the people laughed him to scorn but he says you know this this daughter is not she's not dead she just sleeps There's a state of suspension. And in John 11, 11, 13, Jesus said, Our friend, Lazarus, sleepeth. And Jesus didn't say, Now come back to life, Lazarus. But when he hollered with his voice, after the rock had been rolled away, the stone, and... and Martha and Mary, they said, oh, you don't want to open that. He's been in there four days. He stinks now. Jesus said, do what I say and open the Store. Roll away the stone. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. And he said with a loud voice. Now, why would he expect a physical voice to be heard by a dead man who, had, who was so dead he stunk which means that his flesh was rotting unless that was a total false interpretation of the reality of what really was the case and Jesus was absolutely 100 percent correct that Lazarus was sleeping he had gone into this swoo and they didn't know what to do with his body so they treated him like he was dead but he was in a swoo and they didn't know it. And Jesus called with a loud voice. and He said, Lazarus, arise. And Lazarus arose. <laughs> and Jesus said, now go and take all this wrappings and stuff off of him. He's alive. He's never died. He's been alive. He was in, and I'll put the word in there, a swoo. It's Bible. His Bible. When the daughter, a ruler of the synagogue, these were people that knew Scripture, said, my daughter is dead. Why trouble? People said, why trouble the master? He's dead. She's dead. Twelve-year-old daughter. It's too late. She's dead. And Jesus said, no, she's not. And he, he said, he said to her, Talitha kumi. Damsel, I say to thee, arise. And she arose. Ladies and gentlemen, in the fifth chapter and the thirteenth verse of Revelations, it says, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and sometimes earth doesn't necessarily mean this earth, the earth but earth can represent planets and under the earth and such as are in the sea this is referring to people that exist in different states creatures are called that are in heaven this is not talking about the heaven of heavens this is talking about the physical universe and all these different states where people are. People don't know what's going on. When, when Saul could not hear from the Urim and Thummim, could not hear from the priest, he went to the witch of Windsor. He had that woman checked out. He needed someone who had, had the power with familiar spirits. And in Samuel 28, 18-19, Samuel came up and said, why are you bothering me? He said, because God won't speak to me and I I need to know what's going to happen to us. The Philistines are out there with a massive army. And I'm taking my three sons out there, which included Jonathan, to war against them. And Samuel said to him, tomorrow, thou and thy sons shall be with me this is about the witch of Endor 1 Samuel 28 7 and she saw God's ascending and an old man came up and you mean that Saul and his sons were going to be at the same place where this great prophet Samuel was well that's what it says and tomorrow thy sons and you shall be with me where I am You're going to be in the same place. You're going to come and join me. Someone says, oh, Saul was such an awful man. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He didn't commit half the atrocities, not even half, that David did. He just had an order that he didn't fulfill. And because he didn't fulfill it, that caused him to lose his kingship but he wasn't that, he didn't even want to be king. He hid on the day they were trying to make him king. He hid, he didn't want to be a king. He wasn't a bad guy. He Did some bad things, just like all humans do. And Jonathan, whose spirit was net, it was absolutely net, or knit, however you want to say it, with David also died and was at that same place. Jonathan was an incredible spiritual man. People that are in the sleep are different a lot of times. People say, well, those are dead. They're they're dead. They're going to be raised from the grave. Yeah, there's some people that are raised up from, from the dust. But there's also others included when it says, them that sleep in Jesus God will bring with him when he comes. He's going to bring him with him. Oh, really? Where were they? Well, the Bible says in Jude that when Enoch comes from the father's house, there'll be tens of thousands of these saints that he'll be bringing with Him. Probably a lot of them were in the swoo. People think that they know the Bible. They think that they know all these things about the spirit world, but they don't. In Peter four six and first first Peter four 6 and first Peter thirteen eighteen through twenty, it talks about Jesus going down and loosening the spirits, which had been bound in a prison, going way back in time, during the before the flood of Noah. Well, I've had a thing in which I believe the day will come. possibly right over this radio broadcast. I intend to, by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost, loosen tens of thousands of spirits that have been bound in some of these different places. And they have not been released. And that God is going to give me the power and the unction because he's put it on me. And they are going to be released. There is so much. And it is so beautiful. Jesus said to the fellow on the cross who was a criminal who decided to, to believe in Jesus, St. Luke 23, 43, today you will be with me in paradise. And he was, oh my God, this guy, he just... Said, hey, forgive me, God. God forgave him. And then he went to paradise. You know, the same paradise Paul went to. No, that's wrong. That is absolutely 100% wrong. That is... I gotta go longer. That is not the plan. That is not the plan. The Bible says that Jesus the first place that he went off after the cross during the time when he was in the, t- uh, the tomb, he went down and preached to the souls who were sometimes disobedient. He went into a place called Upper Hades, which was a place where people were still allowed to have a chance of forgiveness. But it, it was one of the kind of hells that existed. But it was Upper Hades, not Lower Hades. The Bible talks about the lowest hell. This was not the lowest hell. But that was not the place that Paul went when he went up in his body into paradise and heard words not lawful to be uttered. That was a different experience. And I'm quite sure that that was something very similar to the house of God, the Father's house. So, where do we go? Well, guess what? I've gone this far, and I haven't even gotten into the the holy fire. Into that scripture that John said, I baptize you with water, but I say unto you that there cometh one after me, who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, F-I-R-E. Baptize you some of the people who were very in your mind said, oh, I don't want to be baptized with fire. Well, that sounds like those religions where they, they made the people and their children walk through through the coals of fire. I don't believe in that kind of religion. But you know, John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the Elijah that was to come. And the Elijah that was to come when he left before he came as John, he went up in chariots of fire. He knew something about fire in a different way than those people that he was baptizing had any notion or idea. And when he said, there cometh one after me whose shoes I am not worthy to tie. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. People have not understood what this fire is. It's all through the, the Bible. It shows men of God with burning, lightning-like fire emanating out of their bodies. It talks about the Ancient of Days in Daniel and, and the wheels of fire. In Ezekiel, it talks about the wheels and the coals of fire, that the, that the, that the wheels, the different kind, the, the, the two different kind, the Ophan wheel and the Gelgal wheel. One is a physical wheel, like the physical wheel ship, and then the physical or the literal person wheel, the Ophan and the Ophanim, meaning plural. And that's how you have a wheel in the middle of a wheel, because the the wheel, the Gelgal, is a wheel ship, a craft, a spacecraft, which the Bible says in Revelations, the angels will preach the everlasting gospel in the skies. And then the Ophim are the other wheel that are in the middle of the wheel. And then you have with them the cherubim, who are their guardian angels. That are, guardi- are, are guardians to them until the white throne judgment is finished. And then they have been reunited with the angelship that they had, that they lost when they fell during the great fall. And so, there is so much. When we start talking about the spiriting of creation and latilution and regeneration and the kingdom of the first domain and the spirit soul and the body soul. And the swoos and jintao and the Theophanies. Well, I promised some people that I would do Jintao. And so at this time I'm going to to do Jintao. And I want to explain that all these things that I am telling don't even begin to scratch the surface to describe the aster, asterisms of the the two what have been called constellations the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper and all the meanings of their pointer stars that have to do with pl- different places of different bosoms like the Abraham's bosom and the Father's bosom and the locations that they connect to but there are things in which in, Je- in Matthew 2, 17, 18 when Herod killed all these little children and 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 Rachel wept how that in Jeremiah 31, 15 it said don't weep anymore Rachel because your children that Herod killed are coming back though they're dead they're going to live again and they're going to be brought back to Israel back to Jerusalem and then Scriptures like in Ezekiel 1650, where it talks about Sodom, which is mentioned as one of the places where Jesus was crucified, how that it was a people that wasn't half as bad as many of the people of Israel, and how that those people were going to be given another chance. A lot of people aren't aware of this. And how that some of those people that were taken away Now get a hold of this that they were taken away for their good they were taken away for their good that's hard to believe that someone that you love and someone that is beautiful could ever be taken away for their good but when you really understand how the spirit world is and the physical world is and these interactions and transfigurations that come and go in between the two of them and the epiphanies and the theophanies you begin to see something quite different. Now, I want to do some Gentile here that has to do with the sickle cell problem that people have. Those people that are born with a hemoglobin beta lattice. I want to do this moment A prayer in Gentile for them. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid, to lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic to sympathetic neural transmission system, through the hemispheres, through the neural network, to the synaphysis, to the various hemisphere brains. Begin to send messages into the immune system, the hormone system. begin to send messages of streaming virtual vectors of images messaging a lattice change to spontaneously occur in the genes of multitudes of sickle cell anemia babies and children of young ages. Begin to correct the mutation by creating blood stem cells that will replace the, the lattice and the ADA genes. Begin this immediately and further then I pray for those people that are are bound with the the syndrome the stress fatigue of adrenal gland adrenal glands that function below the necessary level and become under functioning adrenal glands sometimes set off by bronchial and pneumonia begin to engender biochemical and cellular levels of nutrition and enzymes that will overcome the infectious stage of those adrenal fatigue conditions begin to eradicate the pneumonia and the lung weaknesses and infections, begin to engender energy into those bodies, begin to relieve the hypertension and the inflammation and the tinnitus of the ears that are a cause of all those things begin to eradicate the fungus nodules that are trying to cause havoc in lungs. In the name of the Holy Ghost, mighty Gentiles sweep across the bodies, removing this hypertension and inflammation and infections. Let these processes begin immediately. Blessed be the name of God, I thank you and I, I praise you, oh God. Blessed be the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God bless all of you. I'll have to continue the Enchanted Holy Fire next week. God bless you. Good night.